time enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad. Rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. His name is Arch Hammer. He's 36 years old. He's been a salesman, a dispatcher, a truck driver, a con man, a bookie, and a part-time bartender. This is a cheap man. A nickel and dime man with a cheapness that goes past the suit and the shirt. A cheapness of mind. A cheapness of taste. A tawdry little shine on the seat of his conscience. And a dark room squint at a world whose sunlight has never gotten through to him. But Mr. Hammer has a talent discovered at a very early age. This much he does have. He can make his face change. He can twitch a muscle. Move a jaw. Concentrate on the cast of his eyes. And he can change his face. He can change it into anything he wants. Mr. Archie Hammer, jack of all trades, has just checked in at 3.80 a night with two bags, some newspaper clippings, a most odd talent, and a master plan to destroy some lives. Episode 13 of The Twilight Zone was The Four of Us Are Dying, and Sean... Listen, I know that we've given uh, Rod Serling a, a bit of a <laughs> time when it comes to naming characters. <laughs> and it, even we've said, listen, the, the stories are so great that, that if he kind of cheaped out on, on names, it's fine because it, it doesn't just distract from our enjoyment of the episode. Uh-huh. Kind of funny looking back that, that some of the names were a little weird, but you know, I, I got to give it to him, Arch Hammer. In <laughs> that, that I, I may change my name to Arch. Hammer. The first note I, I, I put down under the four of us are dying is Arch Hammer, best name ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but hey, before before we get into this, you know, we've uh, a little little peek behind the curtain here. You know, sometimes we record these uh, episodes a little beforehand, but. You are married and you wrote a book. Yeah, I, I, I've had lots of time in my hands. <laughs> I'm just waiting for things to pick up. Apparently, I'm, I'm the only one who's, uh, who's got lots of exciting things happening during COVID. Congrat- congratulations times two, man. What's the, what's the book about, by the way? Uh, well, the book is called Righteous Might, and uh, it's available from uh, Eckhart's Press. Uh, bit.ly slash righteous might. I, uh, I I went out and got the uh, the bitly. Good, good. Just so, that, just so that people would be able to uh, get it easily. Uh, so bit.ly slash righteous might, and uh, that's a reference to the FDR speech after Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Uh, because the the movie is about. Wait, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> the, uh, the the book is. I'm getting ahead of myself in more than one way. I'll get to that. <laughs> Uh, the book is about uh, the USS Gerald Ford uh, is basically transported back in time to the day before Pearl Harbor. Now, I don't know how uh, how into 1980s movies you are. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, but but in uh, in 1980, there was a movie by uh, with Kirk Douglas and Martin Sheen called The Final Countdown. 
not to be confused with the Europe song of the same name. <laughs> and uh, uh, that actually has the, the same basic premise, except it's the USS Nimitz. Uh, that ba- Basically, in that story, the USS Nimitz sails into this uh, crazy-ass storm, and everybody gets knocked out. And when they wake up, they eventually find out that it's the day before Pearl Harbor. And um, right before they're about to go, you know, intervene and and do something, uh, the same crazy ass storm shows up again and they get sent back home without actually doing anything. Uh, So actually like a kind of a 90 minute Twilight Zone episode, actually, in the uh, in the grand scheme of things. And that was a movie that I always liked as a kid because, you know, my dad uh, would, would, you know, sit us down and we'd watch movies like that. And um, I always liked it. And then uh, I watched it as, as an adult. And I'm like, well, I've got some problems with this thing. <laughs> <laughs> thought, like, like, I'm going to fix this. Yeah. The fir- first time I always thought. Man, I, I wish they would have actually, you know, done something while they were back, <laughs> back home. And the second was that they, they never actually like you're you're following it. I I think mostly uh thinking from budgetary uh concerns. Sure. You follow like three people during the story, and as this thing evolves, they're basically just like, Oh, okay, I guess it's the day before Pearl Harbor. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's back and like there's one conversation where they're like, "Oh, you know, we've got a lot of weapons and stuff that could probably really help out in World War II. And that's literally like the only discussion they have about the fact that it's like, <laughs> yeah. and so basically, you know, in my total uh, hubris, I thought, you know, I could do better than this. Hey, you have to have some kind, at least some level of hubris to write to write any kind of book, so. Exactly. So uh, my story is, I, I say it's uh, it's exactly like the final countdown, except uh, 98% different because um, uh, the way that they end up back in time is completely different. Uh, and everything that happens once they get there is completely different. And all the characters are, are completely different. But other than that, it's exactly the same. <laughs> so, literally, uh, funny, funny story. Um uh, a host I worked with here in Chicago named John Howell, I had sent him uh, a copy of, of the book to read beforehand. And he goes on the air and he um, and he mentioned, hey, you know, our, our old producer, Keith Conrad, he wrote this book. It's really great. You're, you're going to have to check it out when it's published. And he kind of gives a, a thumbnail sketch of the story. He's like, oh, it's about a modern day aircraft carrier that goes the day before Pearl Harbor. And not within two minutes, he's flooded with text messages. Hey, that was a Kirk Douglas movie. <laughs> <laughs> what a ripoff. <laughs> so, I, I had to like, had to like text him and I'm like, yeah, I'm aware of the Kirk Douglas movie. <laughs> when you get when you get into it, it's completely different. That's awesome, man. That's a that's a huge accomplishment. Um, I uh, that that's really cool. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And then there was the whole you know getting married thing too. Yeah, that too. That too. Congratulations to you and your wife. Well, th- thank you very much. And uh, if we uh, if we have a, a a child one day, we will definitely consider naming it uh, Arch Hammer. <laughs> and if we do, I hope that he has a a, a better uh, better end than uh, than this oh. guy. You know, he's. Um, I mean, right right from the beginning, I think even in the narration, he says he's a con man. So he's obviously not a very good person. 
Not a good guy. Uh, loves jazz. Um, and uh, played by Huntsville, Alabama's own Harry Towns. Oh, I didn't even notice that about him. So, so uh, I think last week we had um, uh, an actor named Steve Cochran who was playing the bad guy in yeah. uh, in that. And Steve Cochran is a is a radio host in Chicago. And uh, today we've got a Huntsville, Alabama native. So I tell you, you know, man, nice. That, it's, that's, it's, uh, it's like this show was made together for very us. Nice. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so somehow he has the ability to make himself look like anybody else just by basically thinking about looking like them. Uh, never, never really explained beyond that. And I don't think they have to. It's only, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah. From, um, what, from what I get, like, he has to see his face first before he has to see the other person's face before he can uh, he can morph into uh, that person. Yeah, he has to see their face and he has to concentrate really hard. So that that kind of, <laughs> I, I think he sort of gives those those two uh, those those two potential problems just you know to so that there's a there's a bad end for him later. And um, so he decides that he's uh, you know I, I I would assume that he's been uh, he's been conning people for a long time, but we just sort of catch up with him at a time where he's decided that he's going to uh, impersonate a, a dead trumpeter because, I mean, who wouldn't? Of course. I mean, if there is a a, a, a woman like Beverly Garland that is right. that beautiful, I will. I don't care what instrument the guy plays. I'm going to turn into that guy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just going to say, hey, I, I turned into him. Which, by the way, brings up a good point. So apparently, like originally when they were doing this, when they were you know planning out the episode, uh, they were going to like have these. They were really going to do it right and and have uh, uh, you know just just makeup. Have the same guy play. Uh, oh really? All four characters and just just change the makeup. But eventually they decided that uh, <laughs> that was actually going to take so much time that it was just easier to cast four different actors. Oh yeah, of course. But that creates a a certain plot hole uh, that that popped into my head. Uh, like, how does this guy know to change his voice? Like, how does he know? Like, <laughs> maybe that's part of it. Um, maybe he, uh, um, you know, it's it's not just his face, but it's his uh, his vocal cords also morph. I mean, does everything in his body, I mean, I guess everything in his body, like, changes, you know? I mean, I didn't take a lot of time to, to really notice, but... Um, I mean, it seems like all four all four uh, uh, characters have the same kind of build, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It may have something to do with it. I mean, I, I, at one point he's a boxer, and I think that that was, um, you know, he was probably a little bit more burly as the boxer, so probably yeah. the same size. Oh man, there's there's plot holes everywhere. Like, do all the moles and birthmarks change? We need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's an, that's an excellent question. So, um, basically (laughs) see, here's what I'm trying to figure out because, so the first person he goes to is this, uh, is this jazz singer Yeah, and he's impersonating, uh, this, this dead trumpeter, which, uh, you know, obviously seem, they seem to have been involved in some sort of, uh, sort of off the clock shenanigans. (laughs) Um, now, 
everybody else he seems to be trying to scam, but I, I'm I'm not quite sure what his his angle was with her because it seemed like he was he was doing a you know sort of Casablanca. Let's just run away. Meet me at the train station tonight. Yeah, I I think that uh, I think he was just trying to just trying to hook up with uh, with her. I think that was pretty much it. I think he was pro- probably promising the world to her just so he could spend the night with her. Yeah, and then uh, um, yeah, because I'm thinking, what is he going to do? Just just be that guy forever, whatever he is. That would that would be kind of rough. I mean, and I I, th- I think the great flaw in this, um, just, just uh, in addition to the plot holes that you described, um, is that apparently this guy only knows three people in the world, or there's posters of three people, um, because he can't change into, into anybody else. Um, and uh, at one point, you know, towards the end of the story, like he's 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 trying to run from uh, the mob because yeah. after he. After he sets up this this uh, future rendezvous with uh, the jazz singer, he goes to a, a mobster, uh, you know, pretending to be somebody the mobster had killed, and then he's running from from that guy's henchman, and he you know he needs to change his face right away. And as I'm watching that, I'm thinking, well, if I'm this guy and I'm up to no good, then I would have like a picture in my pocket, yeah. That I- immediately change to whenever i whenever i need to instead he seems to be new at this or something instead of your uh having photos in your wallet of your wife and kids just have a rolodex you know what like change into a bunch of famous people and so you you know you shock them and then uh then you can run away see that would have been a really good opportunity for uh like the first cameo in the history of the twilight zone oh that would have been perfect so you know it's it's 59 that that's what probably about the time like uh, johnny carson started on the tonight show right <laughs> so yeah like like suddenly he turns a corner and he's johnny carson like it, that, that actually seemed like it would have been kind of cool and rod Sherman certainly had enough name equity he could have could have just called up somebody and said oh of hey, course let, let's do this i'm I you know, a, a rare missed opportunity on the part of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I imagine they're probably filming these on the fly. I'm sure, like, uh, the first 12 episodes would have gotten him some, uh, <clears throat> you know, name recognition that he could have pulled that off. Yeah, I uh, mean, he already had a, a couple Emmys in his pocket before he even did the Twilight <laughs> So, you know, people had heard of him. He's, he's kind of a big deal. What I, what I really enjoyed was... Um, you know, we, we talk about all the time when uh, uh, every, certainly in the first 13 episodes so far, uh, ni- like 90% of the uh, men that are introduced in this show are 35 years old. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I haven't watched this episode in a while, and uh, I, I kind of remembered what it was about when it, when it started, but when, uh, when Serling introduces Arch Hammer as uh, 36 years old, and I was like, no, he's not. He's, that guy's definitely not 36 years old. And then I'm like, oh, wait, maybe he is because he's changing those faces. Oh, that could be, yeah. Uh, you know, so, so now I'm doing some back-of-the-envelope math here. Uh, <laughs> Rod Serling was born in, uh, was born in uh, 1924, so it's 59, so that's... Thirty-five. <laughs> so, so was he just? He was basically all, all the male characters are basically him. It's the same way he picks names. Like uh, 
Stephen Science Fiction was a was a poor man. <laughs> oh, I need a number. I need a number. I need an age. Oh God, I'm 35. Uh, Arch Hammer is 36 years old. Oh <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I know you know walking distance was supposed to kind of be him, you know, right? yeah. for his youth. So so yeah, I guess uh, he just wishes he could. Uh, you know, at the time, Rod Serling was just sitting in his office wishing, hey, I, I, I wish I could change my face. <laughs> that's it. That's the story. Maybe maybe that's what it is. It's a, it's a sour grapes kind of uh, situation where he's like, well, I can't change my face, so I'm going to make things turn out bad for Arch Hammer because he can change his face. Uh, could be. And, and I think that, um, uh, you know, he, he kind of – Obviously, uh, and we've talked about this before, that one of the themes of the Twilight Zone is the the bad guys tend to get their comeuppance. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of walks right into his uh, his problems here because, you know, we mentioned that he uh, he runs afoul of the mob and he never really uh, runs into any negative consequences because of that. Yeah. At one point, he's uh, there's he's, one broken TV. That's the that's the big casualty of the mob story, right. and, and it's not his anyway. So <laughs> exactly, um, there's also a point where he, uh, I, I think, the feds are on to him or something. You know, I don't think it's ever actually explained who the person is, but there's an authority yeah. line that that uh, that is on to him in some way. Well, the funny thing is, uh, so this guy seems to know this. You know that that uh, something's something's up with this with Arch Hammer, but he lets him go into another room and doesn't seem at all bothered by the fact that another person walks out. I would be, I would literally guess uh, you can switch your face, right? Before I was like, oh, this is just a totally new guy. <laughs> you just walked into a room that didn't have an exit, and then walked out to somebody else. Let me. Let me put some thought into this. I, I think you might <laughs> change your face. I've seen an episode of The Twilight Zone like this. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that that's not all over the news that people can do that, but I, I, I think it's possible you might be able to change your face. And then, and then ironically, after he runs afoul of the mob and the feds, apparently, <laughs> it's, it's just he impersonates the wrong person and that person's father shoots him. Yeah, so, and it's, I mean, I, I, I'm i guessing that the boxer, it's the boxer, right? Yeah, it's the boxer's dad. I'm guessing that the boxer is semi-famous because he's on a poster. Right. <laughs> you don't get on posters these days without being, without, without being at least semi-famous. Um, and then, of course, as luck would have it, his dad is just bumming around and decides to... I guess just bring up every grievance he has against him. Uh, I guess he left his wife who was madly in love with him. Um, and uh, someone needs to arrest this dad. Honestly, it's the same way wherein um, I've already forgotten the name of the episode. <laughs> we did it like a couple weeks ago. Um, the, uh, the one where the guy, uh, what you need, needful things. Oh yeah, yeah. What, what you need, yeah. What you need. Um, in the same way, the 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 bad guy in that episode, even though he was a bad guy, he's the victim of a hit and run. No one goes after the driver of that car. Is this father in the four of us are dying? Is he going to get arrested for shooting his own son in the street? 
Yeah, well, you'd think he'd get arrested for shooting anybody in the street. <laughs> particularly, he's committing uh, committing murder of his own son. Yeah, you'd, you'd think that would get some attention. I mean, you know, let, 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 let's acknowledge the fact that uh, apparently because of the fact that uh, the mob – uh, is nearby that maybe it's not the best uh, area of town. Of course, of course. Uh, but still, you generally, unless you're in uh, Seattle, which is apparently a third world country <laughs> now, you don't expect to just see people get shot in the middle of the street. Maybe this is a young uh, Donald Trump who, uh, of course, famously famously uh, claimed that he could uh, shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and not lose a vote. Maybe this is where he got the idea. Because he, he watched this he watched this episode, uh, thought it was a documentary, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, thought, oh, I could do that. Oh, God. So when, when Arch Hammer, when he dies, and you can't, you have to say his full name every time, Arch Hammer. Um, right. when, when he dies, uh, and of course, it's 1959, budgets are, you know, we talked about on... Um, Again, another episode I can't remember the name of. The one where the Nazi's on a ship and he has to relive uh, the... Right, the, uh, the, night. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, uh, budgets are, are, are small. Maybe, you know, Rod Serling, there was just a, a submarine set. Um, so he, he wrote a story around that. Um, <clears throat> when Arch Hammer dies... You know, it's basically just four scenes of all the faces that he played, that, that right. he had. Um, how sweet would it have been if, if there was like a Michael Jackson black or white video morph? Um, <laughs> where I, I just wish I could have seen a little bit better budget and a little bit of a transformation of all those faces at the end. Um. Yeah, that that would have been that would have been nice. I one thing that that really jumped out at me at, at this uh, in this whole episode is um, everybody is completely overly dramatic and talking like a nineteen thirties gangster. Too. Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody in the episode, whether it's the jazz singer, the 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 guy's dad, the, the mobsters, everybody, and I'm I'm just like, what? How did this happen? It's a real jazzy episode. <laughs> it's a it real is. like. I'm surprised more more lines of dialogue were not ended with the word C. <laughs> we're gonna go to Chicago. See, you're, you're my son. See, <laughs> that one guy when he's surprised to see the the trumpeter that that Art Hammer turns into first, he tells him. I, I read you got removed by a train. <laughs> you know, he he runs after him and uh, uh, do change Arch, Arch Hammer. Sorry, we have to refer to him as full name. Uh, Arch Hammer changes his face, and, and the guy just doesn't seem perplexed by that at all. But much like the much like the the authority of some kind. Uh, uh, just, just seems to embrace the idea, much like the people in the final countdown who suddenly found themselves in 1951. <laughs> they don't seem to think it's weird. <laughs> They're just very adaptable individuals. Right. Uh, all right. So to put you on the spot a little bit, if you could uh, change your face to be anybody, uh, uh, who would you choose? Mm, you know, I, um, I'm trying to think of uh, myself in that time. Um, I was actually oh, thinking... Yeah. Okay. Um, 
I think I think I would. Uh, hmm, 1959. I would probably go. Um, I don't know. Is Sam Cooke around then? Um, he he was, but things didn't end well for him. Things then ended up uh, about as well. <laughs> as they did to, for Arch Hammer. All right, so Sam Cooke, who would uh, have been around because he 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 uh, he was killed in uh, 1964. All right, I got five good years as Sam Cooke. Uh, Sam Cooke, final answer. Okay. Uh, by the way, a Chicago native, uh, uh, Sam Cooke. Of course. Um, I think I think I'd go with John Carson, and then I'd approach Rod Serling and be like, "Dude, why didn't you have me do it?" <laughs> I've been waiting on your call, man. Also, Arch Hammer. <laughs> uh, up next, uh, next week, we'll, uh, we'll tackle Third from the Sun, which I know I say this a lot. <laughs> One of my favorites. It's a uh, little known fact, a uh, prequel to the NBC sitcom Third Rock from the Sun. No, it's not. It was Arch Hammer, a cheap little man who just chucked in. He was Johnny Foster, who played a trumpet and was loved beyond words. He was Virgil Sterig with money in his pocket. He was Andy Marshak, who got some of his agony back on a sidewalk in front of a cheap hotel. Hammer, Foster, Sterig, Marshak, and all four of them were dying. Gabatron?